What's up, everybody? I hope everyone had a great night tonight. This is being recorded post-play-in game of the Warriors-Grizzlies. Um, I know this has been a quick rapid-fire session of episodes that I've uploaded, but it's more so because it is playoff season. The playoffs start tomorrow, and you know what that means. I got to get off my predictions. And also, I do want to talk about the play-in, and if there's time, I want to talk about the recent news about the G League Ignite squad. Big news on that front. And um, yeah, let's get right into it. So uh, let's start off with the plane, plane tournament. What did you guys think? Because I absolutely loved it. You know, um, for years I've thought, you know, the the way the NBA is set up, it does not reward teams that have fought especially like the young teams that develop and are fighting for a playoff spot and um because teams that fall in the 9 and 10 range really get screwed in the situation that um they don't end up with a good pick they end up at the end of the lottery and you know while that doesn't mean that there's bad players at the end of the lottery it's just like you're more likely to hit on a star um obviously closer to the number one pick as you get so um Without a doubt, let's just talk. Uh, so first, I want to talk about the teams that were eliminated and what I want to see uh, these teams do going forward. So we'll start with the San Antonio Spurs. Of course, they were the first team that was eliminated by the Memphis Grizzlies in the f- first, uh, no, second game of the second day of the plans, right? And um, regardless, you know, I think it's time for the Spurs to finally... Uh, go in the direction of the youth movement. I don't expect them to bring DeMar DeRozan back. And it's really the same thing that I've reiterated uh, anytime I've talked about the Spurs is the fact that they have a bunch of really nice young pieces like DeJounte Murray, uh, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, and Lucas Samanich. And I believe Trey Jones will be a decent uh, role-playing point guard in the future. But um, simply put, there is no star to build around. And while like... I just said you don't typically get um, lot, a lot of end of lottery stars. The Spurs are the team that would find one. You know, they have a great drafting staff. I think they really do good at the positions that they're dealt. And uh, yeah, so that that's really my message to the Spurs. Go with the youth movement. It's time to really start uh, focusing on the rebuild, focusing on the future. If you have a bad season next year, so what? You'll be in line to get one of the big three prospects, one of which I will be talking about later, hopefully. And um, yeah, so that's my message to them. Uh, On the flip side, Charlotte Hornets, uh, I want to give them props. You know, they really fought through the season. Uh, After the All-Star break, it just really wasn't the same. Uh, Their season was disrupted with injuries to key players, obviously. Uh, LaMelo Ball being the most major one. Gordon Hayward was out for the season. And I think this is going to be a really good team next year. You know, I think this experience was good for them. And, um, yeah, you know, they get to add a nice, another nice young piece in the end of the lottery that I think could probably uh, should be a center. Hopefully they can get someone like Kai Jones up in there. I think that would be a perfect match. But uh, I'll save that for my draft talk. Um, but, yeah, uh, good season for the Hornets overall. Major signs of development uh, through many players such as Malik Monk and Terry Rozier. And that's, that's really all I got to say. Uh, on to the next team. Let's talk about the recently warrior, recently eliminated Golden State Warriors. Now, if there was anything that was proven in these 
play-ins is that they just don't have enough in terms of depth. Uh, while Jordan Poole had a good box score night, he messed up at really major points. And the fact of the matter is, while I do believe Jordan Poole can be a decent role player for this team going forward, he should definitely should not be your best player coming off the bench. Um, next year, obviously, they have a lot to look forward to with the returns of Clay Thompson and James Wiseman, among others. So I do believe uh, they'll be in better position next year, given that Wiseman improves. But I do believe the target for this offseason, because they're likely not going to get a star, should be filling out the bench with role players that understand how to play the game at a mature level and don't make these young player mistakes that the likes of Mulder, Toscano, Anderson, and Poole were making uh, in both play-in games. So on to the last team that was eliminated, that is the Indiana Pacers. And it's a bit confusing on what exactly we should expect out of the Indiana Pacers, uh, given the turmoil that they've been in. But um, they still have a nice group of pieces. I'm not sure what they want to do with it, given that I don't feel like uh, there is a real certain direction. Um, you have guys like Sabonis, obviously, and you also have guys like um, Miles Turner, who's one of the best big man defenders, Malcolm Brogdon, who's one of the best combo guards in the league, Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, Aaron Holiday, TJ McConnell. I mean, this is a good roster. The problem is, is that there's no one that makes this roster great, if you will. But I do think if they're able to secure the right coach that can get the most out of these players, this is a really deep team, in my opinion. Guys like Edmund Summer and Aaron Holiday are no pushovers themselves, and they're guys that you'd find at the end of this bench. Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, other good role players to name a few. So I do think this team will also have a much better season next year, but that is to be seen with whatever decisions they might make in the offseason. So let's go into the first round predictions. Uh, before I actually say that, I want to, again, reiterate, what did you guys think of the plan? I want you guys to reach out to me or comment on my Instagram or Twitter posts and tell me what you thought. Um, I enjoyed it personally, uh, like I told you for the reason before. And I mean, I think it's a great way to make that uh, eight seed really interesting, whereas specifically in the Eastern Conference, it just has not had any meaning. The 8 seed is usually just reserved for a team that is just obviously going to get smoked in the first round. But uh, as I go through my predictions, I think I'm going to do it in an orderly fashion. That is uh, the times of the games as it relates to the game ones, uh, per se. So we'll start with the Heat and Bucks that start tomorrow or today uh, at 2 p.m. And what do I think happens this series? I think that while I don't want to write off the heat because this team did just make a finals run, I do not expect Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson to perform at the amazing rates that they were doing um, last year, especially from the three-point line. Goran Dragic has taken a step back. They no longer have Jay Crowder. And, you know, while Trevor Ariza is good, he is not Jay Crowder. Uh, Not to say that he is bad, but Jay Crowder does things physically and defensively that, you know, Ariza just can't do. And uh, even aside from that, you know, they're missing Oladipo, um, their midseason trade acquisition. And given that, they also lost Kenny, Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley services, both who could, you know, do something important in these playoffs, but 
it is what it is. Uh, I think the Bucks are a much different team with obviously the additions of Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, and many others. One, uh, Bryn Forbes, who I think will be very important with his catch-and-shoot ability. And I do think the Heat, the Bucks will take this series. Uh, I would give the range as for five or six games. But I do think the Bucks team is a lot better. And hey, this team can go somewhere. So yeah, before I get to the next round, um, if you're expecting my full playoff predictions, I'm just going to go through round one matchups right now. Uh, when round one ends, then I'll have another episode regarding my following predictions about round two and so forth. So next game is the Mavericks and Clippers, and I think, you know, everyone wants to write off the Clippers, given that they're an easy team to make fun of, given the choking last year, and also, of course, the fact that Luka Doncic uh, has had dominant performances against this team throughout this season, and of course, in last year's bubble. But for one, I don't think the Mavericks are that well-constructed as they were last year, Losing Seth Curry was a major loss to this team. Porzingis had his worst season defensively despite having his best season offensively. And um, I just don't feel there's enough depth to get it done here. That being said, you know, if Luka Doncic goes off again like he did last year, who knows, right? But the point being is that Luka Doncic went off last year and they still lost the series to a Clippers team that was dealing with major internal issues. And... I don't think those issues persist. I think this team has gotten better. Uh, they obviously have the services of quote-unquote playoff Rondo, which we might see. And um, yeah, I think this team is mature. I think they were humbled last year. And I do expect them to come out and knock off the Mavericks within five games. Yes, I will cap it at five because I do think uh, this Clippers team you know, has the talent. And I do think they're serious. They're going to try to shock everyone and show everyone uh, they're not just total pushovers in this situation. And I do think they, they want to come out and just really show out to reiterate that. So that's my prediction for that series. Moving on, I want to go to the Celtics and Nets here. And um, look, I think, and you're going to see this as a common trend with these playoff teams. I do believe that these teams having played games over this time frame, whereas uh, the top scenes have been able to rest I do think some rhythm and momentum carries over, and that should hold true for superstar Jason Tatum. That being said, it's hard to guarantee that the Celtics do much of anything with the lack of depth and the over-dependence that will be on guys like Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, one who is a small guard who typically tends to struggle in the playoffs, and the other who really does not have much of any playoff experience. So with that being said, with the three-headed monster of Brooklyn, as well as a lot of role players I like, such as Nick Claxton, Elise Johnson, Joe Harris, Landry Shamit, um, listen, if, if Boston's going to win a game in this series, it's going to be in game one. If not, they're getting swept. That is my personal opinion, and you are definitely welcome to disagree, because I know we have a lot of Boston fans, and I don't want to upset you guys. Um, moving on to the last game of tomorrow. Uh, we have the Trailblazers Nuggets series, and I do expect that this will be a, a good one for one. Uh, I'm very excited. I like when these teams match up. They they obviously had a Western Conference, um, not Western Conference, Western Conference semifinals appearance two years ago um, in that when the Raptors won the ring. And yeah, I mean, look, they have the MVP in the league in Jokic, and then you have Dame time on the other side, right? You have C.J. McCollum, McCollum uh, Michael Porter, 
And I think when you guys get to my playoff predictions, given that the Nuggets advance in this situation, which I think they will easily, um, you're going to be surprised how far I have the Nuggets going. So I'm going to go with the Nuggets in five here. I think they're going to be some pretty close games, some pretty big shootouts. But I do think I'm very high on the Nuggets. And I'll leave it at that so I don't give away my master plan here. <laughs> so with the um, first game of Sunday, we have the Wizards and 76ers. And likewise, the last play-in team that was involved, I do have the Wizards potentially slag snagging uh, game one. Just because I think Philly's offense needs some rhythm to it. Um, especially with a guy like Ben Simmons involved. Uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, despite the clowning that's going on because of the disputes that him and Embiid have had in the past, Russell Westbrook is 19-5 and in his career against the Sixers. And given the three losses have come this year in the regular season, it should be noted the regular season does not matter when it comes to playoff time. And I think the Wizards having put up 140 on the um, Pacers do have a good bit of momentum that I expect to kind of show out. So uh, it's similar. If the Wizards are able to win a game, I think it comes in game one. If not, then I do not see them winning a game. Lakers and Suns. Uh, I think what's being misinterpreted here is the Lakers beat a Warriors team in a very close game, and the Warriors are not a playoff team. You know, it was a great game. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was absolutely entertaining. LeBron hit one of the well, LeBron hit the greatest shot of the playing tournament th through and through. But um, still, I, I think there needs to be much more respect put on Phoenix's name. This is a team that, while they have had some big losses, big primetime losses, it's a very, very good team led by Chris Paul and Devin Booker, of course. And uh, while Anthony Davis has had great season or great um, statistics, if you will, against the... Suns in the regular season, like I said, the regular season means absolutely nothing to me when analyzing the playoffs. Um, so I'm still going to go with the Suns in seven. I think it's going to be a tough series. Of course, LeBron is going to make it really difficult. But I think if the Suns role players play as they did in the regular season, then the Suns are a, a very, very tough team to beat. And I, and I truly believe that. Um, I think Chris Paul was, will cause problems for Dennis Schroeder. He's very smart. I don't think he'll be too affected by the likes of Caruso, given that Caruso and Matthews won't be playing this full-court um, trap defense that they did on Steph because of the caliber of Schroeder Chris Paul is. Uh, I want to see how Devin Booker responds to the big moment. I think he's a big game player, and I hope he succeeds in the playoffs. Because, I mean, obviously... The Suns won't succeed if, if Devin Booker is having a bad series. So on to my team. And this this has been uh, really killing me inside. I, I have no idea what to say about these teams, honestly. Just because I want to go with the bias take and just quickly take the um, the Hawks, you know. I believe in my team, but... It is hard to write off what the Knicks have done this season. Now, the reason that I have the prediction that I have is really just based on facts. Uh, again, I don't want to use the regular season matchups uh, with the Hawks and Knicks. Because if that was the case, I, I would just say the Knicks sweep, right? But no, um, I do think this will be a tough game. 
I'll say my prediction first before my explanation. Um, I have the Knicks in six to seven games because my philosophy philosophy uh, really just is that defense is the ultimate thing, right? And being said that, the Hawks and Knicks are polar opposites in the sense that the Hawks are seemingly the ultimate offense, whereas the Knicks are the ultimate defense. To an extent, you know, these aren't the number one teams, like, these aren't necessarily the number one teams, but still, um, the Knicks are just fantastically coached, whereas Nick McMillan, while he did an absolutely excellent job with the Hawks this season, is historically a bad playoff coach and has a really poor record. Um, that being said, I also don't think he's had the teams that he has right now. This is a really nice and deep Hawks team. Uh, the key matchup will be R.J. Barrett versus DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter did come back from injury recently, and while he looked healthy against the Rockets, uh, the Rockets are a putrid defense with a lot of G League teams. Uh, or Sorry, not G League teams, but G League players. And so I'm worried in that regard that uh, DeAndre Hunter might not be ready for the big stage, but guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter are really going to have to step up. Well, I think if Bogdan can do what he's doing in the regular season, it really helps our chance to win. Because again, you know, small guards are just very likely um, to have struggling performances in the playoffs, given that it's such a much more physical game than the regular season, where they don't get a lot of the calls that they get in the regular season. So that is my prediction for Knicks versus Hawks. It does pay me to say that. Um, it, it maybe also is the fact that Charles Barkley predicted my team to win, uh, which is pretty concerning. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm rooting for the Hawks, but it, it is hard to see how this team wins against such a defense that has really, and it's not even just this regular season. The Knicks have always had uh, our number, it seems like, in our matchups recently, whether we've, we've both been bad, one better than the other, or both been good. So, yeah, that, that is all I have to say on that series. Um, in the final series of the first round, the Grizzlies versus the Jazz. And before we even start, shout out to John Moran. He was a player that I've been very high on since he came out of Murray State. But in the NBA, um, from year one to year two, given he's dealt with injuries, I've not seen as much improvement as I wanted to. But he showed out for the first really meaningful big game of his career. And he did a fantastic job tonight. It was absolutely amazing to watch. And I hope he can carry that momentum into Utah. But Utah is a totally different and I believe better team than Golden State. Really don't think that should be debatable. But, you know, when you have a guy like Steph, obviously that, that's one thing. Uh, the key for Utah, you know, let's see where Donovan Mitchell's at. Uh, he's missed... He's missed a good amount of games here, and um, yeah, is he is he ready to to really step in and ball out in these playoffs? I do think maybe Memphis can get a game or two just because of the balance on their roster and the the talent. Uh, I think it's really understated how good guys like Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, and even though I don't like him, Grayson Allen and D Dylan Brooks are. Um, and even aside from that, if Jaron Jackson was healthy this season, I believe that the Memphis Grizzlies would have been a top six seed without a doubt in my mind. Um, now, obviously, you can say, OK, well, if LeBron wasn't injured, the Lakers wouldn't be in this position to begin with. 
Um, but I'm just strictly talking about how much better the Memphis Grizzlies would be in this situation. Uh, I think they would be better than the Mavericks. I think they would be better than the Warriors by far in the regular season. Um, and I think they would be better than the Trailblazers, to be honest. Um, I think this is, again, an amazingly coached team by Taylor Jenkins. Because if you look at that roster, it's not a roster that you think is like, oh, this is this is a team that's contending for a playoff spot. Or this is a team that even much less has a winning record. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I've said enough about Taylor Jenkins between now and the last episode. So yeah, those are my first round predictions, guys. Um, I didn't try to go too in-depth because, again, it is really early or late, I guess you could say, into the night. And um, yeah, I'm trying to, not trying to go too in-depth and save my like pure, pure analysis until uh, we get deeper into the playoffs. Whereas I think the first round matchups, aside from a couple series like the Knicks and the Hawks, are really straightforward here. So uh, to end the episode off, I do want to talk about the G League Ignite. Now, obviously, if you're close to me, you know how much I love to talk about the G League Ignite. I think the NBA developing a farm system that's comparable to EuroLeague soccer, the Major League Baseball, or even hockey would be just massive for the talent of the game, which is already at such a high level, right? So just as a recap, right, for those of you who who may not have seen my YouTube video, which was my first YouTube video on the importance of Jalen Green uh, joining the G League Ignite, which I recommend you check out uh, if you haven't. And if you have time, thank you if you do, uh, of course. But Jalen Green balled out against grown men, real professionals, and got to play alongside former NBA veterans like Jared Jack and Amir Johnson. Those aren't big names, but those are real veterans, real ballers that have been in numerous locker rooms around numerous players and have all been raved for the and have both been raved for their leadership uh, qualities. And on top of that, you have guys that are more so, you know, fighting to get back into the league, which I think is equally significant. You're not having college kids, uh, not to demean any college athletes at all, of course, but it, it is different when you are fighting for your job in the open market, per se. Now, that being said, I want to talk a little bit about the last prospect. So Jalen Green, um, and I think this is the biggest selling point of the G League Ignite squad, is all these players had improvements uh, upon entering. Jalen Green, the top five-star recruit of the G League Ignite group, uh, came in and he couldn't dribble around Warriors third-string point guard, Nico Mannion. He left the game or the G League uh, being able to take some of the top defenders in the league, such as Gary Payton's son, uh, off the dribble and showcased a, a wide array of handles that we didn't really see coming out of high school because he was much more of a pure athlete with a decent shot. Now, given when you look at the percentages, 36-37% from three isn't anything to scoff at, but he was in a professional setting uh, going straight from high school, and I'll give him a lot of props for that. Jonathan Kuminga, who was more so a raw athlete, if anything, with uh, a beautiful beautiful physical skill set, also came into the league and was able to refine his game and show traits that we didn't see coming out of his high school film. Um, now, if you compare him to what I think he would have been in college, this is, again, a raw athlete, so he would have just been utilized offensively in, in uh, transition sets and wouldn't have been able to 
have the on-ball opportunities that he got in the G League where he was able to showcase a playmaking ability I don't think anyone saw coming. This is why, after his film, many people have compared him to the second coming of a Kawhi Leonard like we do with any sort of kind of 6'8 lengthy wing. But I do think Jonathan Kuminga has an insanely high ceiling and I would like to see where he ends up. Now, two of the other guys were more on a minor scale, like, unlike Kuminga or Green, and they were Isaiah Todd and Daisha Nix. Both of them still five stars, um, but obviously not as significant in the rankings and just not as hyped up in general. But Isaiah Todd, who was a big man who was just seen as a pure athlete uh, with a great motor, uh, really, really, I think, showed scouts he's a worthy NBA player. This is a guy that was projected to go undrafted entering the season, but ended up um, being seen as a fringe first rounder, I think, in my opinion. And I I do believe he's worth the investment because he's shown a a good shooting touch. He shot 36% from three, which again, isn't, you know, crazy by any means, but I think it is something to remark at, you know, and, and be impressed by given that you have not seen him. And uh, free throw percentage also indicates that he can get better as a shooter. Uh, He's a fluid big man that's bouncy as an athlete as well. Um, And yeah, that's really all I have to say. Um, As far as Dyson Nix goes, he's the point guard of the group. Uh, He really doesn't have any remarkable physical traits. I think he would have struggled to kind of show his NBA stock in college, if you will. Just because there's there's really not that much upside. But I think learning from Jared Jack, who really has a similar skill set, he was able to show uh, his potential as a really solid role-playing, discipline-setting, uh, pace-controlling point guard, whether that be in a backup role or a third string or an off-ball role. He doesn't have much of a scoring game, but at the same time, this is a guy that I do think can really help your lead guard in relief and handle a lot of the ball handling playmaking duties that I just mentioned because he knows how to create for others. He uses a very strong size um, to be able to to make that space and set up, you know, play calls or finish at the rim. And I'm interested to see what becomes of him because he's obviously the one that did struggle in the G League, but at the same time, he was able to showcase himself as an NBA talent. I think that's the ultimate goal. So let's fast forward to the present, and this is, I think, where things get interesting because the player that just committed to the G League Ignite a couple days ago is one that I think will outshine each of the last four kids that were able to attend the G League Ignite team, and that being Jaden Hardy. He is the third or second ranked recruit in the 2021 high school class, and in my opinion, the best player in the draft. Now, that being said, best doesn't mean that he'll go number one because there is more positional value to these guys named Chet Holmgren and Paolo Banchero, both sort of fitting the modern day big man that teams are really looking for uh, with the explosion of guys like Embiid and Jokic. That being said, Jaden Hardy is a two guard uh, who I do believe could play point guard on the side and he's just sensational, can score from all three levels at very impressive rates, uh, has Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Steph Curry type range uh, when it comes to that three-point shot. 
Uh, he's very crafty. He's not someone that wows you with his athleticism, but he is just he just knows the right way to score. I feel like he, he he's a very smart creator, which I don't think we see uh, in a lot of two guards that are coming into the league. And um, yeah, I think he's going to impress even more than Jalen Green did, which again is massive for the Ignite because it's all about getting recognition and having people accept this as a form to get to the NBA and, and what is thought of as successful per se. Um, as far as the rest goes, you know, they also have another five-star big man coming in. This one also much more coveted than Isaiah Todd, this being Michael Foster, who was a top 15 player in the 2021 class. He also fits the modern-day big. He's a little bit undersized, um, but he is very strong and also has shown the ability to knock down shots. Uh, from all three levels and I'm very interested to see how he does because he's a guy that you could also be talking about in the lottery next year and um, yeah but aside from that you know the the third guy here he was one of the first ones to commit to the ignite for the season this Fenbo Zhang from Gonzaga and uh, he's not some you know crazy NBA prospect I mean he could end up being but there's no indications yet that he's a bona fide NBA prospect but it is still big because I want to know like if you're a four-star or three-star recruit per se right and you're you're not considering education like you're considering basketball programs to go to because they can help you reach that next stage as opposed to picking a school for educational purposes why would you not take a G League Ignite team that is developing professionals essentially right so um I just think if if you're one of those recruits and you know you've been you feel you've been underranked or something or or you know you're better than your ranking, you should just go to this G League Ignite program where you're led by real NBA coaching, you know, real uh NBA former pros and guys that were all former stars. I think what's really forgotten about the G League is that all these kids or all these men that are playing in the G League were likely former college stars if not international players or uh really hyped up high school recruits who just didn't pan out in college right guys like lebrian nash per se uh, a former five-star recruit at oklahoma state and i know when i say that you know like that's like a made-up name because it, it is a pretty cool name lebrian nash um but yeah uh my point being is everyone should check out the g league ignite so on to the next player, and I think this is the most uh, interesting one, is Scooter Henderson. Now, Scooter Henderson is a high school junior. He is 17 years of age, and he's going to be the youngest player uh, ever to enter the G League Ignite system. Now, he's not necessarily on the status of Jaden Hardy or a Michael Foster, so you might think, you know, why am I hyping this kid up? The difference is he, first of all, he reclassified to the 2021 class, uh, which made him eligible to either enter college early or, you know, do what he did and pick the G League Ignite. But he also signed a two-year deal, given that the requirements of the NBA would require him to spend another year after this season. 
but this is I think perfect for his game you know there's a lot of better point guards than him in his respect respective high school classes whether it was 2021 um, or 2022 which he was initially in and I do think this gives him a, a perfect opportunity as it will again give him that professional experience from a very young age being 17 years old and will also give him two years of experience and uh I'm very interested to see how it pans out with that experiment, because if if that's a success, you know, a two-year experiment, then then I think the G League Ignite would really take off. And I think, you know, even after this year, it is there is a potential that, of course, um, Imani Bates, the number one player that has been hyped up forever, there is a good chance that he enters the G League Ignite. And uh, that would obviously be massive for the advancement of a farm system in the NBA. Uh, now, alternatively, because we do have some time here, uh, there's another developmental league starting up. Now, if you don't know, there's an Instagram page known as Overtime, which is essentially a basketball brand. It posts a lot of, you know, high school athletes. It also posts a lot of... Um... Sorry, I blanked out here. Uh, it posts a lot of athletes and it also posts a lot of you know just general basketball highlights so uh they started up and they also got their first two commits in this situation that being uh the two brewer brothers or not brewer uh Bruley, i believe i have to double check that sorry for that i just can't think but anyway these guys are high school sophomores i believe and they're ranked three and twelve uh in their respective class they are twin brothers. I believe it's Matt Bruley and Ryan Bruley. And um, I'm a bit kind of confused by this. Well, I'm not confused. I'm curious. Uh, I'm just not sure um, if they'll be able to accrue the talent that they need here um, to essentially make this a platform where you can level up, per se. Right? Um, you know, I'm sure that they're going to get paid obviously they did sign seven figure deals uh given that again it's a multi-year kind of deal uh but you know even if you're getting just high school prospects right then it makes it the competition worse than college because you're just playing against uh the star high schoolers as opposed to college athletes which i do think comes with an advantage in this situation uh that being said i'm not gonna knock anyone for getting their hustle especially some high school athletes who've been putting on uh, for their cities, for their schools or whatnot. And I really hope that this league does become successful. Uh, but in my opinion, I do believe that the G League Ignite, if you're looking for a way to, you know, get around college and develop for the NBA, I do believe the G League Ignite or, you know, going overseas to the NBL or EuroLeague uh, may be a better option. But, you know, I am ho I hope that I am wrong, uh, but we'll we'll see what happens with that. So that's it for tonight, guys. Um, you know, not a long episode, I don't think, but the NBA playoffs are starting tomorrow, and that is super, super exciting. I can't wait. It feels like, you know, with, with the stadiums finally allowing fans to some extent, it's going to be more so of a playoff atmosphere than we had last year in a bubble. And, and I think on both sides, there are some really interesting series um, my two favorite series on the east coast are obviously the knicks and hawks being one also the rematch of the heat and bucks and then when you go to the western conference i think every single 
uh, series uh, on the Western Conference could really go either way except for the Grizzlies and Jazz. Like, even though I said the Nuggets will stomp out the Blazers, there there is a chance that the, the, you know, the Trailblazers just go off and they have the talent to, you know, contend with anybody. It's just a matter of fact that their their defense is just so poor. That being said, it's been fun talking to you guys. Hope you guys are able to enjoy the playoffs tomorrow. In New York, I'm coming for you. Game four, I'll be there. Uh, New York or nothing. Me and him got to make some content while I'm out there. Good night, y'all.